here with us today, then you've chosen wisely. Today we're talking about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I'm Tyler Dennery. I'm Connery Hanson. And this is the franchise. Insert audio clip here. This is how we say goodbye in Austria. Wahoo! Yahoo! That's treasure! It belongs in a museum. You call this archaeology? I just remembered my Charlemagne. What? No ticket. He chose poorly. Get off of my plane. <laughs> get off my... I, was, I hoped he was going to make that joke. I was like, is there, is there a get off my plane joke? Which there basically is, get off my blimp. Yeah, and which becomes a plane. With us today is our good friend Cutter White. Hello. Hello, Cutter. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm good. You know, held up and just glad that I have an Indiana Jones box set to tear through while uh, my internet continues to crash every other day during quarantine, but can't complain. That's awesome. Yeah. I forgot to mention, I think, on the pod that all of them are available on Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, this is all time is relevant, so you can listen to this a year from now and be like, hey, no, it's not. (laughs) <laughs> because it won't be. Hey, but, but, uh, but at the moment, you can follow follow along with us and watch them. Yeah. Blu-ray <laughs> is forever, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same with Laserdisc. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I do like physical media a lot, though. I still, I still get them. Cutter, how are you doing? I know since, obviously, you work in production, you have no work right now. So the real question is, how many games of Settlers of Catan have you played thus far? I am an expert at starting games of Settlers of Catan and getting angry at friends on the internet now. Um, <laughs> you just, like, rage quit on them? I never rage quit, but it doesn't go much of anywhere when people start side texting and communicating with each other via other means instead of playing Oh, there's the game. illegal trades going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically just like our real economy. There's a lot of back-end <laughs> kind of trades. So it's terrible. Black market dealings. Oh, yeah. But if Catan you never trade great. with Cutter again, I'll give you eight bricks. Again, because of physical media, I have special features so I can watch George Lucas and Steven Spielberg producing movies out in 120-degree deserts, and they look <laughs> uncomfortable while I sit in my pajamas. And wait out the storm so hell yeah yeah they look so they look so young and fun and all those like making of things i i love i love them teaming up together always it just looks like so much fun and they all have great hats they wear the best ball caps that have ever been yeah george lucas has like the same hair it's just gray it's like same hair and beard combo I like how soft-spoken they all are in all those. They're just like, especially Harrison Ford, at least the one I saw, he's a little older, and he's just like, well, yep, I sure had a fun time doing that, and uh, Indiana Jones was a fun character to play. Um, yeah, my <laughs> hat kept falling off. That's like Harrison in general right now. But Yeah, yeah Cutter, why did you want to do Indiana Jones with us? Because I, I gave you, I think, a few options for, for franchises. Uh, I think of all the big name franchises all the spielberg lucas related productions i just think that indiana jones across the board really nails it on each adventure and in particularly i really like last crusade so when you were just kind of talking to me about which ones i would be interested in uh it just seemed like the obvious pick yeah it was always my my uh it was always my favorite one growing up, basically Last Crusade. I always loved that one the most. But 
since rewatching it now, like it's since it's been like a few years since I've seen them all because I just watched them, as I've said before, like I don't know, like forty times as a kid. <laughs> I think like the order of the things I like a lot has changed just from revisiting them, and I'm excited to like dig into that for this movie, especially considering it like was my favorite, and like I'm not so sure anymore, but I still like Ooh. it a lot. So. Yeah. Well, I've been watching them all together, which has been kind of interesting because you do realize how many of the same like jokes and motifs they repeat yeah Mm -hmm. it's uh it's been a fun little couple days watching them and i really appreciate a series that just honestly knows how to have some fun because some of the other franchises that are so well known i think have kind of gotten a little uh you know up they got the gloom bug yeah, you know, something has picked up on that in our world, and hopefully when we see Indiana Jones 5 someday, it'll have escaped that. <laughs> we talked a bit about that with Tesla. We're like, that one just might be really sad if it's not done in a very particular way. <laughs> yeah, because they'll be like 80 by the time it comes out. It's fine. Dude, you just make it old man, and you bring back Shia. It's going to be great. Yeah. We're also saying it's just like uh, old man Logan, but with Indiana Jones. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's James Mangold again. Oh, is it? Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, James Mangold's going to direct it now. Huh. Um, Interesting. But... <laughs> but yeah, what's your like experience with these? Did you like grow up with them too? Like you watch them all the time? Like cuz I know like you're really into James Bond as a kid too. Yeah. Just, you just like grew up with it, so. It's yeah, kind I'm of surprised you're not here for Bond. <laughs> <laughs> that someday the deep Yeah, he will be. <laughs> the deep dive 30 plus movie. It's a separate podcast. Um, yeah, it's funny you actually bring up Bond because I really, I don't know, in, in watching these recently, a lot of chases, in particular, like the, that boat chase in the one movie, it, it's so reminiscent of Bond. So to have Connery show up in this movie and be such like a revered, like mystical character for most of Last Crusade, it, it is interesting because... You know, those were the movies that I watched with my dad. And for whatever reason, I was allowed to watch those movies really young, even though there's a <laughs> lot of violence in them. But yeah. I guess once it's all against Nazis, like, you know, it's really easy to understand that those are the bad people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, even a lot of early James Bond stuff, it's like, oh, the Soviets. So it's, like, <laughs> more... I mean, they're all also just, like, pretty cartoony, too. But it's, like, always finding a new, like homogenous villain that's like oh it's fine (laughs) homogenous yeah and even if it's like not like nazis where they're like committing genocide there's still like these nazis that are just like bad guys that wear capes like even at the very least you know it's very boiled down to good and bad but it's it made me realize also like watching them again how Indiana Jones is just, like, not the greatest guy either, but you're still right. on his side and along for this ride that only he can take you on. So I, I've been really enjoying him again, and it, it reminds me a lot of just hanging out and watching him with my dad, and that's probably why Last Crusade hits so well for me, but, you know. I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I do need to sidebar real quick, because we have been texting back and forth about... Um, You've been watching all the 70s Godzillas, and since that's obviously franchise-related, I think we need to talk about that for, like, 
two to nine hours before we get into <laughs> Last Crusade. Um, yeah, I have been watching all of the Godzillas, and not just the 70s ones. I started at the very beginning oh, right. with the 50s ones, and it's been a... That franchise is not consistent at all, but some of... <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> some really amazing highs and some really amazing craftsmanship that I really can't think of. I think you see it in like American films in certain segments or a shot, like an insert of a miniature, but when you see those Godzilla movies and then base entire movies around that level of effects work, it's pretty fun. And I think there are really good stories about human peril and uh, family plight in a lot of them that I never picked up on when I was a kid. Because yeah. when I was a kid, they were all just, you know, monster smash kind of things. Yeah, especially when they're dubbed. <laughs> I've been avoiding the dubs. I've been watching the, like, original Japanese, which I've also never seen. Because when you got from Blockbuster, they were always just, you know, dubbed and awful right. and cut up. and But it, there's some charm to that as well. Yeah, I definitely would love to revisit, like, the 90s blockbuster era kind of like godzilla's at some point and you'll have to be on there <laughs> a whole new era of godzilla i'm somewhere deep in like the 70s ones now i've kind of yeah. seen the intro movies of each each like of the main known villain kind of kaiju and at this point it, it the slope is going downhill yeah but no. it, it, right the 70s are definitely like a, a bit of a slump because like I don't know, it's a whole different discussion, but I did, I did just want to bring up Godzilla since you've been watching them, and um, I don't know, it's just another franchise. Yeah, definitely something to look out for, and, and the amount of them that are available through like a Criterion box set or some of the streaming services that have other, the kaiju movies, uh, it's it's great to see them, and there's a lot of love in all of them, so it's fun to watch. Yeah, it's definitely like an underrated um, genre, because there's like so many interesting thematic elements going on in those movies that just uh people take for granted because like ha little miniatures oh everyone's dubbed it sounds bad just like just give it another second but uh <laughs> speaking of james bond too i did just watch uh, you only live twice which i i think i told you about too um do you remember which one that is uh off the top of my head I don't, and we were talking with Connery, and Connery was thinking that he hasn't seen any of the ones that we were mentioning. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sitting here in silence, and I'm like, I, I have no point of reference for any of these. <laughs> well, that's why we're doing this, Connery, so you can watch well, all the good. old Godzilla movies. <laughs> well, thank God. I'm, I was going to ask you guys, before you were like, oh, there's so much more than just monster beat-em-up movies, I was like, well, what's your favorite monster? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm huh? My favorite monster? I mean, like... I think the way that the movies frame them is that, like, Godzilla is this kind of, like, anti-hero to root for. But just as far as, like, the designs, I really like this one with, like, this gas pollution monster called Edora that I just yeah, saw. Oh, I've never heard of that one. It, very timely. Definitely of, yeah. of this current uh, problems in society and our planet. Uh, I like that, but you can't beat 
Like, I just love Mothra. I just want Mothra to love me. Mothra. <laughs> the whole mystical stuff with Mothra is, like, a bit much for me sometimes. But, yeah, Hedera. Is that the memes you guys are posting where it's like, we could consult the fairies to contact Mothra? Yeah. Y- yes. See, you need you need to know this. It'll make you feel better about what is possible of saving our planet. Yeah. It's, like, weird with, like, Godzilla's, like, such a franchise thing. Like, that's the whole part of why I'm interested in franchises. It's, like... You see one or two, and you're still, like, pretty confused on, like, how the framework of this works, especially if you watch, like, one with four monsters in it. But, like, when you watch, like, the origin stories, I guess it's kind of like Marvel now, you know? Like, yeah. you see all these, like, all the superheroes are in Endgame, and you're like, if that's the only one you see, you're like, who are these people? <laughs> are these so, it's, like, sometimes really rewarding when you see all of, the, like, the original movies build up into a thing. But, it thankfully... All- Huh? It can also be quite the drag when you see a lot right. of these side by side because I started looking like especially with Indiana Jones, I didn't realize like how much was coming out in our world at the same time, you know. And watching some of these behind the scenes features, you hear like, "Oh well, in between shooting Crusade and Temple, we shot a little movie called Return of the Jedi," and like they yeah. swing back and forth between these things, and you know, looking back at it, you just don't remember how much happened in a small period of time with so few people yeah and like uh batman came out the same year as last crusade like tim burton's batman i knew it i was like 1989 is also batman isn't well, it? Yeah. yeah and it's just there's something about the indiana jones movies that like especially the original trilogy like they feel so timeless in a way that you're kind of just like oh yeah this is like the 50s right <laughs> but it's also <laughs> just like the peak of the 80s at this point in last crusade like all the special effects and everything are just like there's so many good practical effects, basically, with the combination of industrial light and magic, like adding comping and stuff. You know? Yeah, so, the, the documentary I, I watched, like the behind the scenes stuff, they were very adamant about doing everything very practical or, or as practical as they possibly could. Yeah. Yeah, Spielberg was even like, not to be a Luddite, but <laughs> shooting it like this and everything without like all these computers. Because it seemed like the interview was shot like 10 years later or something. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, this is, like, how they did it back in the day. So it's, like, just pure filmmaking. And it's just interesting how much changes, especially, like, he directed, like, the BFG. And that's just all, <laughs> it's all CG. Ready Player yeah. One, you know. I saw Ready oh, Player yeah. One. Have yet to see BFG, which is interesting because I was so into that book when I was a kid. But yeah. him tackling that's, like, on the bottom of my interest level. But Yeah, I did like it a lot in the theater. And then I tried watching it at home not too long ago and it's like oh yeah some of these scenes are <laughs> it's just so much cg that it's like it's not quite alice in wonderland level like Oof. tim burton's alice in wonderland in terms uh-huh. of just like my eyes hurt like i want to my ears are bleeding it's 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 uh better than that but it's well strange if one good thing comes of all the production of hollywood being shut down it's that it will hopefully stop production of his west side story remake that no one asked for. How dare you? We talked about this a little bit. I need uh, more musical movies. I love West Side Story, but do we really, really need the retread from Spielberg of all people to... Oh, God. I mean, I guess not, but, like, would I I like something original, something a little more modern to do? Yes, but I don't know. Like, the West Side Story movie's really old, and it's good. It's still good. I, I love that movie. It's good, but... I don't, you know, I'm, I'm talking myself in a circle. You might be right. Fine. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely I like, excited to see it because I, I feel like he's wanted to do a musical forever. And that's 
Like, mm-hmm. we talked about in the Temple of Doom episode, the intro to Temple of Doom, the Anything Goes, like, musical sequence. The best yeah. scene in the movie is the club <laughs> scene yes. in the musical. For yeah, sure. it, is, it is pretty great. And, like, Lucas is like, oh, Steven, like, you always wanted to do a musical. You should start it this way. So I'm glad that Spielberg finally gets to do, like, a whole musical, although it's to the point where it's just, like, he could probably just do anything nowadays like oh for the past like 30 years in his career like it seems like in the behind the scenes on this movie too it's like they never talk about like any kind of studio interference mm-hmm. and i feel like that's something that has changed with franchises too um but it's also i guess nobody has as much clout as spielberg either what was it uh i i kind of like their relationship and just in general like steven spielberg and george lucas for indian just just like the just going into it, i love him pitching um, Steven Spielberg the ideas for the different things and Steven Spielberg being like what the hell are you talking about no that's not going to work yeah it's definitely like constantly a back and forth with like they interview Lucas and he's just like you know I came up with this idea but Steven didn't like it so uh, I tried to come up with a different idea and that one finally went and it's just like <laughs> like their friendship is just so strange because like, like Spielberg like definitely knows when an idea works and one doesn't and i feel like mm-hmm. lucas isn't always like that like, yeah he's like he's, so excited he's like it's the holy girl in a haunted house and steven was like no what is and he's like it should be about the father and the son and george was like but what about the holy grail he's yeah, like the he's grail like, is the father and the son he's focused on the sith wayfinders of, of the last crusade <laughs> exactly um anyways we should get into this movie proper because i feel like i've done a bad job at segueing into it well, you decided to walk, take us, take our hand, and take us through the lovely world of the kaiju, and then yeah, and then uh, everything from there. <laughs> but as of inverse two, the Hunger Games and stuff like just bigger franchises, like longer franchises, mm-hmm. it's it's still so nice how timeless like Indiana Jones feels, as well as self-contained. Like yeah, there's three movies, but they're all like pretty standalone to the point mm-hmm. that it almost feels four like movies. James Bond, right. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Yeah, I know. We'll get there. One seems like an epilogue, but I also haven't seen it in a long time, so... We'll get uh, there. Cutter, you watched Crystal Skull, and you're like, this slaps, and we were, so I'm a little bit like, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm Cutter has been more trying interested. to double episode up on me, and I've been trying to avoid it just because like, I'm trying to alternate friends in and stuff, but... You've been, like, so adamant about, like, no, Crystal Skull's actually, like, good. It's, like, better than Temple of Doom. And I'm like, oh, I just really like Temple of Doom, though. Well, so. Look, if there's one movie that's going to maybe break some rules, it's definitely Crystal Skull of all of these things we've discussed. Uh, but we, we can get we can get there. Yeah, we'll arrive on that choo-choo train. <laughs> Speaking of choo-choo trains, the intro of this movie... <laughs> I hate it. I hate the flashback with a burning passion. I think it's so stupid. God. What? You hated the intro? Yeah, I thought it was really, really dumb and bad. I did not like it at all. <laughs> well, looking back, like, having more... Like, I liked it a lot as a kid, and I do think River Phoenix is, like... He's great, like... Yeah, in this he's little fine. thing he has. And uh, I definitely recommend this movie called Sneakers, if you guys haven't seen it. Hell yeah. Oh. Sneakers is great. <laughs> Him and Robert Redford, and, like, I think, like... Isn't, like, Sidney Poitier in that movie, too? Like... Yeah. It's just like a super group of people and they're like twelve they sneak into things and that's why they're called sneakers. <laughs> they know. Okay. It's a really like you think it's about shoes, but it's about them sneaking. Cool. Alright. That that sparks my interest a little bit more, I guess. No, I definitely recommend it. Like I watched it in one of my like classes in college or whatever, just randomly. Mm. But it's just like a fun kind of spy movie. Yeah. But anyways. Danny Aykroyd also. 
Yeah. Ooh. Dan Aykroyd of Temple of Doom fame. Yes, he's... I didn't notice him in this one, though. Where was he in Where was he in uh, Last Crusade? He's not... I don't think he is in this one. Oh, he's in Sneakers. You're talking about Sneakers. Yeah. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, you say, like, you hate it. Like, I'm not totally flabbergasted because I get, get it now. Like, especially since I feel like we've been so inundated with, like, trilogies recently. Or maybe just, like, just maybe, like, Star Wars in particular. Mm-hmm. Like, it is interesting. Like, the whole time I was watching this, I was thinking of both Return of the Jedi and, like, Rise of Skywalker and just, like, the new Star Wars trilogy in general and, like, how it's, it does feel like it fluctuates back and forth as well as, like, it's, this feels, like, very solo, like, the intro of this. It's, like, very prequely yeah. where it's just, like, this is how he got his dice. Like, this is how he got his scar slash whip slash And it, it just felt so ham-fisted to me. I was just, like... I'm like, I don't need to know how he got the scar. Like, I don't, I assume he got it on an adventure. Like, I don't care. I, I, he's yeah. scared of snakes. I, he, snakes make him uncomfortable. He fell into a vat of snakes. Cool. Like, <laughs> a vat of snakes. <laughs> that's what it pretty much is. Became, a big trough the, of snakes. He became the snake version of Joker. <laughs> exactly. That's what it feels like. He's like reborn as a man afraid of snakes. Yeah. What do you think, Cutter? Did you like the beginning or? Oh, man. It really makes me sad to hear that you aren't into it at all. Because I guess... Yeah, I'm, like, in the middle ground. I think, yeah, Connery doesn't like it. For the the first... I I won't retread into the other films for more than a moment, but I noticed for the first time watching Temple of Doom the year and that it takes place before the other movies. So I've just never... Mm -hmm. I've never clued into the timeline of these films because to me it's just kind of like as a kid they were just vintage they were just old during the war and now to see the the beginning of last crusade in its setup of your your feelings of looking for that big establishing shot of where we are the mountain matching the paramount logo going inside the arc the archaeology site and seeing that guy in the hat and him to tilt up and it not to be Harrison Ford and be some other like kind of doppelganger and it to pull up the yeah. 1912 thing it's just so exciting and I think it's just a lot of fun the way it gets there I do hear what you're saying about some of those kind of things i think the one with a scar to match harrison ford's scar that he has in real life is a fun one Mm -hmm. it is a little overdone by the snakes but i feel like the snakes thing in all of these movies is a little overdone as well (laughs) but (laughs) yes i don't know it just no uh, go ahead tyler oh i was just gonna say to be fair like i wasn't like knocking solo like i I do enjoy solo but there are moments in it that are like people i feel like it's just quite evident in culture they're like oh it was so dumb how he got his last name in in the solo movie like <laughs> i'll call you on solo yeah it just like feels like that in the beginning of this but it's really at the end of the day like any kind of argument like that it's like someone nitpicking something well um, i think but it is also part of the scene so it's it, like i like the things you're talking about cutter and i also agree with the things you're talking about connery because it's like <laughs> i like the parallels between him and the guy who's like the proto indiana jones yeah he's also kind of a bad guy but well, it, it makes me realize that Indiana Jones is not, like, this great person. He's Harrison Ford, so we, like, know him as a leading man. He's our hero, but he's a very negative person. And I think you see that negativity come out by the other guy wearing the Panama hat at the beginning. But, right. like, mm-hmm. 
you Temple know, of Doom, he very much is that persona. He, but I think by Raiders, he's like softened more. And then by, I think in my opinion, Last Crusade, he's definitely not hyper jaded mean as he was in Temple of Doom. Even though he had a kid there, but. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I definitely feel in Last Crusade, the swashbuckle and the positivity and the romp of it all definitely comes back in spades. Like, it's absolutely Mm -hmm. apparent that the movie's just going to be more fun, you know? And that's, I think, landing the movie flat on its ass in a circus truck full of animals and all that, (laughs) like, it really does cement it to the audience, like, that this is going to be a fun one after Temple of Doom's quite the slog. <laughs> it's funny, because, like, I think of the opposite now. Like, I used to not like Temple of Doom really at all, but until I just rewatched it, and... Did, yeah, you, you're the one that said, like, I was texting you the other day, like, oh, like, Temple of Doom moves. No, right? I said that about... I said that about Raiders. Oh. Check so my... I feel like... Check my letterbox. <laughs> that review got hit with, like, 30 <laughs> likes, because all I said was, this movie fucking moves. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I got confused, but like I feel like like the the action in Temple of Doom moves so fast that it's like almost breakneck. But it like there's enough filler like that it breaks up the action. But then there's some scenes in like Raiders and in Last Crusade as well where there's just like an exposition scene about like the setup of what they're doing that I'm just like okay, like I get it, like this is going on for too long. And there's just like a few more scenes like that. But also Last Crusade like is also finding something new to do with Indiana Jones. So it's not quite a retread because it's showing his connection with his father. So, um, I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess I, this was my favorite movie for a long time. I think just in part, cause I really like, like, this is what I know Sean Connery from. Like I never grew up with James Bond. So this is like my frame of reference for him, you know? <laughs> Interesting. And the, not to jump ahead too much, but with Sean Connery, that, that, level of infamy is really set by the opening scene like you get this whole level of this kid and the boy scouts and all of that kind of swashbuckle and when he walks into the office and sean connery says one minute count to 20 no in latin and (laughs) just fully derails all the movement of the thing to introduce this character that's so influential to you know, at the time, just a junior character. He is a junior. He is living in the shadow of this man that has this intellect and prowess to just stop everything in his life. And then yeah. flash forward with the greatest match cut that's in the series of that hat cut. <laughs> yeah, that cut. is great. <laughs> yeah, it is really good. Boom, right onto the boat. And then you're not going to see the dad or know about where he is. And you're searching for the dad for what? like an hour of this movie until you see him like it's wild yeah because yeah, you don't see him at all so it's like you know it's sean connery because of his voice it's a very iconic <laughs> voice but you don't know what he looks like and he ends up looking like a lot dorkier than you would think i guess because he was james bond but before we jump uh ahead too much connery do you have anything to defend about the train scene <laughs> uh to defend how it's bad yeah um i i i Indiana Jones is hokey and cartoony in times, and I can respect that, and I even like that sometimes, but it just really didn't gel with me, and, and this probably is and remains my favorite Indiana Jones, but watching this scene, I was like, man, I, I hope this movie isn't like completely wrong in my brain, because I, I just... That scene you're talking about when Sean Connery tells him, to like, to like, all right, hold on a second, like let's take a step back, I was like, 
I, I my attention got grabbed again because I was like, okay, like here we are. And I will say for this movie, unlike the other two, where I would sometimes breathe. like as a little confession, I I would I would get up and they'd like <laughs> breathe. The other ones to keep reminding us of Crystal Skull's existence. <laughs> I would I would get up and like get a snack or like maybe walk around and just leave the movie running. For uh, this, it was probably the first time I actually paused it and to like go do something, then came back and unpaused it to like just not miss anything, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of yeah, absolutely interesting. But it, for sure, this movie holds my attention. I just I just don't like the flashback scene that much for whatever reason. It doesn't gel with me. It just feels very. It feels very forced in like explaining things that I didn't need to be explained to me in the first place. Other than it, I understand it introduces Sean Connery, but that's like the amount I, I don't know. It just it just doesn't register as fun to me in any way. It's just like, this is how he did this and this and this and this. Here's how he got his hat. I'm just like, I don't I don't, I don't care. Sorry, I think there's like a race car that just drove by outside. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm definitely like in the middle of you guys because it it did definitely like drag it down for me. I'm like, oh yeah, is this movie as good as I remember it being? And then mm-hmm. it does the match cut. I'm like, oh there we go. There's like. Mm-hmm. Because it, it does feel, like, a little bit more tired of filmmaking, I guess, compared to, like, Raiders is so, like, archetypal, I guess, and mm-hmm. just very inspired, and Last Crusade is still as inspired, like, it's still inspired, and, like, but it feels more like an adventure, like, a straight-up adventure movie than being, like, visually iconic, I guess. Well... You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's very hard to, like, make a third movie, I feel like, in general, in a franchise, especially if it's supposed to, like, end, like, a trilogy... Because, mm-hmm, like, usually you have, like, the beginning and the second one's usually, like, the dark night of the soul. Kind of, like, things are getting darker and grittier. And then the third's, like, the resolution. Or it usually is, I guess. Four is our epilogue of Indiana Jones and Star Wars has six. But even then, they kind of follow that trajectory. But this one, for sure, it, it doesn't feel like an ending. It just feels like I, I watched the end of an episode and I was like, okay, like, when's the next one going to come out? So I think that's why we're even also accepting of Indiana Jones coming back when he's 80, and we're like, cool, another installment of Indiana Jones. It doesn't matter. Yeah, there's not nearly as much of, like, uh, importance in terms of continuing, like, a saga. It's just like, oh, yeah, Indiana Jones, another adventure. Yeah. Well... It's just another thing to munch on. I think something that's important to remember with this one is, like, if of that original trilogy, like, in, in the terms you're putting it in, like, this was the biggest gap. It also was, like, a huge increase in money, like... They went from shooting a movie for like twenty million dollars with Raiders, and now they're like pushing fifty million dollars in late eighties money. Like the yeah. the lo- the amount of location work in this, you know, this is Spielberg's chance to shoot his you know Lawrence of Arabia. Some of that, those sunset shots, the shots of the mm-hmm. desert, those kind of things are straight out of the movies that he grew up watching, the adventure movies that they always talk about, and I think that. Raiders and Temple kind of comes off more pulpy and Last Crusade definitely comes off as more of like that epic it looks cleaner it looks tighter Mm -hmm. in its camera work and I think they kind of get a lot of that pulpiness out of the way with the 1912 Rivers Phoenix opening because after that it's quite epic uh and it also you know also takes quite the uh borrowing of a james bond set piece with that boat the uh the whole boat chase scene yep it's straight out of james bond yeah really yeah oh that's cool um i like yeah and watching it again this time um 
it does feel very much like a like a lesser Raiders for for me up until they get to him running into his dad at the castle. You know, when he mm-hmm. finally does find his dad, um, it just feels like another adventure. It's like, oh, that'd be fine if there's like six of these, but he doesn't really meet his dad until like fifty minutes in. And uh, but I think you know that's obviously intentional. Like, oh, they want to have Indiana Jones do his own adventure until he does meet his dad because his dad is like a big brick wall for him basically because it really like makes him regress back into a kid in, in some ways like yeah as soon as he sees him he calls him sir it's like yeah. the best thing in the world i mean yeah he does get hit by like uh a, a fake <laughs> chinese urn <laughs> fake, or something yeah a ming dynasty urn yeah base. yeah it's like look it's fake line work <laughs> but um he's like yes sir he's just like he's just a kid again you know mm-hmm. and it's, it's it, it was very smart of spielberg to make this movie about Indy and his dad and not just make it about another object because then it Mm -hmm. would just be really just like another sequel. Um, So it's nice that they're adding more character development and more of an emotional thing there. Yeah. It becomes special, really obvious. Like, like you said, at 50 minutes in, it becomes a very special thing. But cut, cut is making a face. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you just like, like the whole thing overall, is this still your favorite cutter or what? Yeah, I, I think it's got to be my favorite. Like, it, it's far and away the best story. I think it has the set pieces that keep up with... Aside from the opening scene of Raiders, I think it's got absolutely fantastic pacing and set pieces. Um, the chase scene on the boat keeps up with anything that the other movies have. Uh, yeah, I mean... Also, I really, really like uh, the main characters the the love interest her i can't remember the character's name but it's played by Alison. elsa snyder yeah elsa snyder allison duty's character i think she's great in it she like plays such the part of like as they slowly transform her into like a classic nazi villain but she plays <laughs> this like very interesting like energy love interest that you definitely miss after coming off a of temple of doom uh so yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great all the way up until looking for the dad because, again, this isn't a movie about looking for the Holy Grail. It's about looking for the dad. No, I'm just thinking about uh, also Judy's character. Like, she is really good in this movie, but especially in the beginning when they're, like, more bantery, when they're going between mm-hmm. the boats. Like, Indy's like, don't you're going, don't go between the boats. She's like, go between the boats. Like, it, it does sound something... Like more Willie. like either Mar- I guess Marion or Kate Capshaw's character uh, Willie would like do like mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like the, the chemistry doesn't work as well in this one and I'm just like oh I kind of wish it was like Mar- Marion was just back in this one and it, yeah it, it probably gets, would have made more sense than to have her be a sexy evil Nazi it gets to a point where I'm like oh is this just like straight up James Bond because like she, he has like a different love interest in every single movie like it would be nice to go back to something but then I guess they do do that in Crystal Skull <laughs> well <laughs> Marion is in it <laughs> Marion is one of the better like women characters of this era in the first one she's just like a fantastic strong character and can drink any guy under the table so it's hard (laughs) to like it's hard to compare but i do really appreciate um allison duty's character in this and whoever was the costume designer for her that continually just slowly pieces together her nazi evil outfit yeah. and like let's <laughs> straight up wearing like the most german outfit in the castle where it's just like yeah, yeah she's, she's a nazi is. lady like before like her hair is up and not down she's just she just looks like 
okay, you're complete like evil Nazi girl now. She has yeah. blonde hair and blue eyes. Like Indy, what do you think you're doing? Like <laughs> <laughs> it's 1938, Indy. <laughs> but as you can tell, he he learned all of his faults from his dad since they have this weird like did we share a sexual partner thing going yeah, on yeah that movie? definitely weirded me out this time that i never really oh, thought yeah. about because i haven't seen in a while i'm just like and like in the behind the scenes both harrison ford and sean connery are both like oh like like i think it was sean connery's idea i'm like that makes sense because like he was bond and he's so dorky in this movie compared to like classic bond where it's just like yeah yeah i guess it makes sense that sean connery would be like oh, I want a love interest too. It was like, oh, it'd be funny if we both had like this, if we were like both with the same woman. But like the whole movie, I'm just like, this just is like weirding me out. Like, I don't want to think about that. Like, stop making me think about that. I don't think Elsa wants to think about it either because she never brings it up to him ever. (laughs) Right. It's like a weird competition over like a woman that just feels like, I don't know. It's just like, that would just, like between a son and a dad and like it just weirded me out, but... It's it's just weird in general. Yeah. <laughs> she loves them Joneses. He's Jonesing for the Joneses. Jonesing for the Joneses. Uh, what'd you guys think of? Uh, well, we talk about the boat fight. <laughs> boat fight. <laughs> I like when Shankar goes chip 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 chip, and then uh, all the seagulls fly up and destroys that airplane that's coming to kill them. Yeah, like Tom, Tommy Wiseau. He goes, you know, a yeah. chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. Yeah, that was always my favorite part as a kid. Like, that's pretty much what solidified. Like, I don't know. Like, he was basically, like, a cool grandpa to me as a kid. Because this is what I knew him from. And he yeah. has, like, the dorky fishing hat. And then he, like, beats the Nazis by shooting seagulls at them, basically. And he's like, I just remembered Charlemagne. <laughs> it's like, the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky are my army or something. Like, yeah, I want to be smart when I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the part where when he sees, uh, what's the museum curator guy's name? Uh, Brody. Brody, when he sees Brody and so they take it, he does like the secret nerdy handshake. And then Brody first is like, oh, and then he goes like, duh, 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 duh. Yeah. I yeah, thought I that was hysterical. I, I really like Brody in this one because he doesn't have to be like the father figure kind of to Andy anymore. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of like, he just reminds me of like Stellan Skarsgård in the Aven- the Marvel movies kind of where he's just like really wacky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and kind of like losing his mind. He's just like, whoa, I'm comic and fun and crazy. Yeah, you think he's wacky in this one. Wait till his weird stuff he brings up in Crystal Skull. I forgot he's in that. He, like, he's back in that, and it gets even weirder because they definitely had fun with his character in this one. Yeah. Did the aliens hijack his brain? Mm, you'll have to rewatch and find out. <laughs> like in the uh... Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> like in the Avengers. <laughs> Doesn't that have the I... John Lithgow? Huh? Doesn't that have the John Lithgow in the no, Avengers? No, it's Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> oh, it's him? I thought it was John. I had John Lithgow in my head for that, literally. <laughs> I know you're always thinking about Farquaad, but it was not him. I'm always thinking about Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> Such a great sitcom. Well, speaking <laughs> of uh, some people that just appear here and there in this series, I did want to ask, did you guys pick up on that one guy that, like, was I looking at it wrong that someone appears as Hitler in one of those scenes? Yeah. There's, like, a that... there's a book-burning rally, and they show Hitler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that Takeaway TD? Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> there was a little German boy next to him. I'm like, oh, it's JoJo. It's JoJo. <laughs> I was really, really surprised that they would like go there because they kind of live with this, like, you know, such a 
henchman type archetype thing for these Nazi villains, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. they just show Hitler in the background, like in kind of a heavy in a heavy moment as Jones just like runs by, but then they don't say anything about it. Yeah, he definitely he signs his book like Hitler yeah. signs Indy's book because he's just as a German. Uh, you know, leadership soldier guy or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely what I was thinking this time around too. It's like, as a kid, I'm like, Oh cool. Like they're, they're, that's not cool. Cause it's Hitler, but you know what I mean? It's just like, Oh, he's coming face to face with like the enemy of the world. Yeah. That's yeah. And he so tricked cool. him. But in this instance, like, especially I keep repeating myself, but like just watching Raiders, I loved, I commented on how, yeah, he's fighting the Nazis, but he's not like saving the world. He's just fighting some Nazis, you know, like he's not like, mm-hmm leading he's not captain america like literally punching all like he's not punching hitler you know i think i use that analogy, yeah, they're going after one. the same thing basically and, and they're directly in his way so he will oppose them mm-hmm. and like yeah he's doing his part to like fight the nazis kind of in, in a way in the raiders and this one he's like straight up head on head with hitler for a moment <laughs> and it's just another example of i just think in general it's really tough to pull off like a third movie especially when the second one veers off to be something so different Mm-hmm. that the third one's like oh I, like he even says like he intentionally like spielberg intentionally re- he was intentionally regressive i guess for this movie because he just wanted to return to like the spirit of raiders because simple doom is such like an offshoot like different kind of vibe and feeling and it's basically just like a horror movie yeah that... I, I i heard like on think on something on wikipedia like it's so weird and dark because like both i guess him and george steven Spielberg and george lucas both like broke up with their longtime girlfriends and they were both really sad about it and so temple of doom kind of reflects their kind of angsty outlook at the moment yeah i think lucas had just like gotten divorced and stuff too yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah and i don't know it's really it just this this trilogy i guess fascinates me because it is a really good example of like like to be completely honest, like, I, yeah, I don't dislike this movie at all. Like, I think it's still really good. And, like, all three of the original trilogy, like, they're all really good. And it's really hard for me to, like, fight, figure out which one's my favorite. Because they all are, have different things to offer that I didn't really think about. I kind of just, like, condensed them all, especially, like, the first and third one for a long time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, just basically overall, it's, like, hard to go back to something after changing, like, a, a series so much. And I think this is just the most... It's like, yeah, at that time, they're comparing it to Empire Strikes Back. Like, that's the darkest one. So Temple of Doom's the darkest one. But, mm-hmm. like, even more so, like, looking at, like, J.J. Abrams for Rise of Skywalker, like, he's trying to, like, ham-fist his way back into what his intentions for Force Awakens were and Last Jedi, yeah. like, veers off in a different way, much like Temple of Doom does, but, like, maybe to an even more extreme degree. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Rise of Skywalker, and it's like, okay, how do I make this, like, back to what I originally envisioned, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Cutter? But I think bringing that comparison, like, you're discrediting that this is, well, to me, this Indiana Jones movie has the best story. It has, it may not have, like, each set piece or each thing that we love of Raiders or what you guys love of Temple, but, you know, you're talking about something that is based in a, in a plot of characters looking for their goals in their lives and discovering new goals. I mean, it's the only movie of any of these that Indiana Jones actually has any kind of arc and learns anything. Mm -hmm. And you also have this arc in a smaller way of this mystical father figure. And to say that it's just them trying to like regress or find the magic in something else, I think is a little unbecoming of it. I think it's very well written for that kind of, 
for to to tie it all up and i definitely riding off into the sunset at the end of this like it didn't feel like they had much more thought or interest in doing any more of them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i don't mean like that in its entirety like i do think this is like that much just let alone there's a lot more breathing room in this than like rise of skywalker or something but just like thematic elements yes this is the only one where like there is character development for indie okay maybe and... i maybe i'm just a little triggered by the rise of skywalker so <laughs> yeah i, just, I can see you both other, like, like your both tri- armpits tri- are starting to leak sweat everywhere <laughs> you guys just losing your shit just huh? i just can't rise of skywalker i just um, can't but i'm I just can't. Tra- trying to think of any other like trilogy that this is like in that way and it just that's just a very recent one so yeah and it's you know adjacent to lucas <laughs> yeah so but yeah, it, this is the one that has like the most thematic resonance, and I think another reason why I realized I didn't don't like it as much now as I did as a young kid is because I did see Sean Connery as kind of just like, oh, he's like a really cool grandpa because I was like eight, you know. Mm-hmm. But then also, at that point in in my life or whatever, it's or like I feel like any kid's life, it's like you just look up to your dad, you know, and you don't think of anything. Like not, I'm not necessarily saying I have any sort of like negative experience with my dad, but it's like you are as like a young adult into. Like becoming an adult, like you are trying to I, like create your own identity, and you're trying to make your own like worldview and kind of like destiny and stuff. And I think this time around, I was like more in Indiana Jones's um, shoes mm-hmm. because he's like fighting against his dad a lot. And it's like as a kid, I was just like, oh yeah, everything Sean Connery has to say is like right. Like he's he's the da- he's the father figure. Like everything he's saying is like. I totally, like, just listen to your dad, you know? And, again, like, not like I have any bad experiences with that, but just, like, being the age I am and, like, being, being, like... You're an adult 20-something-year-old man. You're not going to be just, like, do whatever dad says. You're like, no, I want to live my life, and that's, like... (laughs) Especially since, like, since, like, uh, his dad, like, Henry Jones or whatever, is, like, very... He's still kind of, like... It's just that thing where it's, like, you can create your own world and everything, like, like, Raiders. It's very much like Indiana Jones, but then, like, once you're, like one of your parents comes in, like your whole identity changes completely and you just regress mm-hmm. back to like being their kid, much like this movie is in yeah. a way. It's like you don't have as much agency just automatically because you have a different like relationship that really uh, in- impacts you in a certain way. And so that's like, it was like naturally me not being as engaged this time because I'm just like, uh, like you need to like let this, like, I don't know, like I wish he was a better like more engaging dad or something when he's younger but then that's the whole point and that's also what just really draws you in in this movie well i think it'd be interesting to hear from someone of an older generation than ours because i think that kind of story of a father and son has been told in so many new ways of our world and of how um you know our generation is able to be on their own and able to try and help things of our planet without trying to just succeed and follow what the generation before us has set up. So it's hard to say when we have filmmakers that, you know, Spielberg and Lucas were our age or maybe even older than that when they were making this in 89, you know, maybe they thought of their fathers in a different way than we do now. So it's a very like timely piece of uh or i should say a time capsule kind of piece of an era of like that kind of reverence towards your elders 
it's just handled differently than I think we would see it now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, my dad, my dad passed away, I think before I actually ever saw this movie. So I, I don't think I ever got the chance to have the whole, like, uh, not a father son debate, but I am lucky where I do have like several other male figures in my life who basically helped raise me. So I can, I can point to several different men in my life and be like, Oh, that's something so-and-so would do. That's something another, per- another person I know would do. So it's definitely, it definitely, it definitely brings a lot of, it brings a lot of dad talk to the table is what it basically sure. does. And I think it was really interesting that you brought up the point of, um, Indy's actions in this movie around like his father and what he does versus in Temple of Doom talking about what he does in and around Short Round who <laughs> looks up to Indy like he's a god in that movie yeah, mm-hmm. and you know I know he gets slapped around when Indy is brainwashed and cursed in that but I still like kind of remember those things as a kid of like why a kid would get treated that way from an adult and it it is something that's continually brought up in this kind of series because then again in the fourth film much more than epilogue we get to experience the father-son relationship on the other side of the coin with mutt and you know this is a theme that i think they are both very interested in exploring throughout the different generations and I, i think it's pretty interesting oh yeah for sure like i i like the idea of these like of these two very different kinds of explorers one one who's just obsessed and studious and like loses himself in his work and the other one who throws himself into adventure and complete utter distance like literal distance and fi- and figurative distance i guess is what i would describe these two people's core relationship as like sean connery dives into books and like he's there but he's not there and Indiana Jones goes off to like Tibet and his family's somewhere else or his friends are somewhere else. And he, and he's not there. There's just, they're just like that. I think they're both, they both prioritize and specialize in distance. And that's a, a big thing. And when they're thrown together and have to hang out with each other, they eventually find that they're similar in that sense. But I don't think Indiana ever really acknowledges that he does a little bit of the same thing that Sean Connery does. Hmm. Social distancing at its finest. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, it's a really good point. Yeah, I like that. I like that comment about how they handle it in a different way. Yeah, I, I do really like their relationship in this um, because it does start off very, um, I guess, competitive in a way. And, mm-hmm. and like, uh, Indy hasn't seen him in 20 years or something like that. And mm. by the movie's end, like, you realize they are just a lot more similar than they give each other credit to, you know, and they, they're more willing to accept that. So they're getting closer um, to each other. It's just like scenes like where, but like, like you said, like his dad is more scholastic in a way. He's not like mm-hmm. an adventurer like Indy. It's yeah. Like they have different skills, but they're just as good at what they do. They just are specialized in different things. Mm-hmm. But near the end of the movie, they get closer and closer to each other in those ways where it's just like, yeah, he, he shoots, he scares the birds off into the plane. And, uh, after that happens and he just like looks off at him. It's like, wow, that was like really cool. I would have never thought of that. Cause he just has his pistol and there's no ammo in it. It's like, well, yeah. we're going to die. And then his dad, like only his dad would come up with that. But then later he's going over the three trials to get to the Holy grail. And then Indy, like, he has to spell Jehovah with his feet, and he, like, yeah. accidentally does, does a J, and it, like, cuts to, like, Sean Connery before that. And <laughs> he's just, like, 
which but it's in latin it starts with an i in latin or whatever <laughs> as he's like dying or whatever yeah and then and then he like falls down he's like and then andy's like oh in latin it starts with an i it's like he knows you know he just has that like banked in a different part of his head because he's mm-hmm. total in total adventure mode so he's like a lot more like his dad than he like wants to admit you know yeah, and even in a, you can just tell that flip side of the coin. Even in the beginning of this movie, after he comes back from the cruise ship with the cross, and he is he's in his class, and his students are all like, "You haven't graded our papers." I, it's less like his fan club, more like everyone being like, "Where? What are we doing? Like, what's the lesson plan? What's going on?" And then he just goes in his office, and he's just sitting there, and he's like, "I hate this. I have to leave." <laughs> and he just bails out the window. Like, yeah. Maybe you guys crazy. will remember this better than I, but. I've watched all these so close together now. They're kind of like on top of each other in my head. It, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it, what's the quote in this? He, he they, Is there that line he says something to his dad or to one of the students about like archaeology is like you have to spend oh, it's not, 30% it's, out in the real world or what does he say? He says it's not about truth. It's about fact. And he says and he says like something else. He says X never marks the spot. So basically he's yeah. He's like you have to spend time in the real world and you're right. It's it's dig dig your fist in there and something or other about like yeah. Does, I feel like I don't actually know the line. <laughs> he does say seventy percent of your of archaeology is reading is in the library, so he doesn't mm-hmm. even take that into account. Like so, that's a good point because he learns that like yeah, maybe do more <laughs> book research instead of well, jumping into adventure. Because his that's, dad does that. That's the uh, that opening thesis of the nineteen twelve scene is you know. Put a pin in it. Count to twenty. No, count to twenty in Latin. You know, like that. That kind of being able to slow slow your wheels down and think it through. It's really great when it crescendos in that inner cutting back and forth between them while he's trying to get to the Holy Grail at the end. Uh, it's really mm-hmm. great scene where this all takes place at the end. Mm-hmm. During that uh, Jehovah scene, I totally thought it was a it was a different name. For, I I remember my first memory of this movie is watching it during uh, at my small Christian elementary school. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna wow. say like you probably watched this in Christian school, right? Like I did, hands it's down. It's like Christian it, enough. <laughs> yeah, it's cr- just Christian enough to warrant like a uh, Wednesday praise time session on like my teach my uh, my principal actually coming into the class and being like. And as you can see, he's he believes in God, and that's how he does it. And watching this movie, like, Indy doesn't believe in God. Like, he just he <laughs> believes in like getting the Holy Grail. But yeah, uh, yeah I, but originally I thought I thought it, I thought it was uh, Yahweh and not a uh, not Jehovah, which I thought was kind of in- interesting. It's not right more. My brain put that in there instead. Who is Jehovah again? Jehovah is another is like the name for God, and I think like in in like hebrew or something and then maybe hebrew is yahweh and then like another and then like jehovah is another one but yahweh is also one of the names of god too and i was like that one is hard to spell (laughs) well after all after after all the time in india you would think that he would maybe consider some of the indian gods that take place in temple of doom but you know they just kind of ignore everything they learn there yeah he's like apparently shiva and uh what's what's the other one's name um Kali, uh, Kali K- are also real entities that have p- great power. So it's yeah. just like, yeah. And 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 the and the Geo Christian God is real because the Ark of the Covenant's there as well. A, a lot of powerful gods running around in this place. Yeah, there's definitely those things. Again, like it's the third movie, so she's like, "What's that?" He's like, "It's the Ark of the Covenant." Is he walking by? She's like, "How do you know?" He's like, "Trust me." I'm like, okay, yeah. like it's kind of annoying now. <laughs> it's kind of annoying. 
But just speaking to um, character development in this movie, it definitely has like the most thematic things and like, like I, I commented on Temple of Doom when we were doing that episode, like how it has the wiggle room basically to do a lot of different things because they've already established a character and like Raiders, I think does such a good job at like establishing who Indiana Jones is and like the world and like how realistic and non-realistic it is, like the mixture of that, you know? Without a big retread, it, it was everyone over the moon for Raiders. Is everyone like on all about that? Uh, I mean, I would say like ninety five percent. Like, I really like it, but there's just some scenes that are really slow, and it's it, like okay, like I think it's really know, iconic. Just, it very it kind of clunkers to the finish line a little bit for me, but the beginning's kind of slow too. Like after the whole jungle scene like when he's back at the uh the university and he's talking to like the government agents they're just like sitting there and he's like writing chalk on the on the chalkboard for like a long time i'm like okay like you don't need to explain like nobody's listening anymore like you can just i was listening i liked that part yeah i like that part too but again i think that's that whole like that's the old guard that's the that's the the older generation the older english generation the museum people trying to speak Mm -hmm. down to him a little bit or trying to keep up with them but i, I mm. not to derail just trying to curious because no, i uh, do definitely think it's like extra, like visually iconic like there's so much like iconography in raiders like they really stripped everything down to like archetypes and symbology and stuff like that um that sounds really big the way i said it but um, no but there's power in that movie like it yeah. it led to a whole it birthed a whole it's almost genre rebirthed a whole genre again of these like adventure movies and it birthed indiana jones who's like you can reference that to pretty much anyone around the world and they know what you're talking about yeah, uh, yeah. In, in watching and, this current one or last crusade that is i feel like i can feel so much of where video games went and especially like those uncharted and the tomb raider mm-hmm. games i feel it more in last crusade for some reason than i do even Raiders, and I think it's just because by the time we're at Last Crusade, it's so distilled and so finally like poised of what these things are. Yeah, I forgot that uh, Sean Connery had that like whole notebook, like pretty much the whole crux of the movie. And I, him looking through it, I was like, like, you know what? This is why I li- probably like going through Nathan Drake's notebook in Uncharted so much. Like, it's literally just Sean Connery's notebook in The Last Crusade. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think to that point, the inverse of that, Cutter, it's like the Raiders is so visually iconic that it stands on its own as a film. And by the third one, like, it's the same DP throughout uh, Douglas Slocum. And, like, Last Crusade was actually, like, his last movie before he retired. Oh, wow. Um, huh. Yeah, and but it's like I feel like at this one, like I kind of mentioned before, but it it feels much more like adventure than it does like a visually iconic movie. It's it's just kind of like like it does look amazing and everything. And if this is the only Indiana Jones movie you saw, it'd be like wow, this movie like is amazing and it's so fun. Like the camera work, like it's all top notch, like Spielberg style and everything. But just Raiders has like such a like a mission to establish. I feel like yeah. a visual language, and this one just kind of like okay, we've already established that, so we can play around with this and just, like, have fun with the characters. Like, this definitely feels like the fun movie because they're also responding to both, like, Harrison Ford's reaction to Temple of Doom and, like, the general audience and critics' reactions to Temple of Doom because it, like, is totally just, like, a horror movie. (laughs) And Harrison Ford has said, like, oh, it doesn't feel like 
Yeah, I have it right here. He's like, oh, I wasn't happy with the second film at all. It was too dark, too subterranean, and much too horrific. Like, that's what, uh, oh, that's what, I thought it was Harrison Ford, but that's what, like, Spielberg wow. said. That makes in sense. 19, in 1989. So it's like, as he was releasing this, it's like, yeah. okay. I think. Like, I didn't bring that up in our. <laughs> I didn't bring that up in our Temple of Doom thing because like we were we were talking so positively about it, but it literally in my notes I wrote down this feels very uh, claustrophobic and underground because like I feel like so much of the movie takes place underground or just yeah. in a confined space, and this this movie is very much the opposite. It's very it's very open. Like I can like I can like reach out my arms and I won't like touch the walls. Like unlike Temple of Doom, where I feel like I just be like barely able to like extend it all if that makes any sense yeah it does and a big thing of that is the increase of budget and them taking they they were some of the people that took audiences to see some of these places like when they arrive at the last scene and go to monuments in the holy land that maybe american audiences have never seen before and actually shoot them there and like you know, respect it and take like reverence in it is a totally different vibe than things that are completely made up and fabricated and shot on sound stages in Temple of Doom. So it, it's pretty interesting the choices they made. And, you know, I think it shows on the screen for what you're talking about, but it not that either or is correct. It's just a totally different vibe. It's uh, I feel like I'm just like really just repeating myself at this point, but it just is really... <laughs> Because it's like they go back to the Nazi thing, you know, it's like, but obviously it's 1938, so it's like they have to go, mm. they have to have Nazis in it again, but, uh, they, and then they change it up enough, but, uh, yeah, it's like in the desert again, there's a lot, bunch of things that are like the same, but it is, the more you talk about that kind of like wide open filming, yeah, like, mm-hmm. go to actual locations, like they shoot in Spain and Germany and, uh, Petra and like real locations, uh, that's I didn't I didn't really look at the budgets. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like it does feel less artificial in that way, but well, it's also hard to like capture something in a frame in like a wide expanse. I guess in a way. Yeah. If you know what I mean? It it's the again it, it's that kind of he got to make his Lawrence of Arabia. He got to make his James Bond globe trotting movie where they're yeah. in a different place every thirty minutes in this. It's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. And that's also not to defend James Bond's, like, <laughs> tendency, like, the early ones, like, a tendency to, like, exoticize things, but, like, watching a lot of the old ones, like, I've come to understand more, just putting myself in the frame of reference of, like, when those movies came out, it's like, yeah, like, some of it is just stereotyping and, like, not great, but it's also showing people who are watching these movies, like, this is the only way they can see this part of the world is, like, through a movie in, like, the 1960s, you know? It's, like, photographs are, like, oh, that's why it's, like, so cool to go see a James Bond movie, especially around back then, because, it's like, he goes to, like, like, he's in Japan in this one, and it's, like, a lot of people, you know, just, like, certain parts of the world that a lot of people didn't travel as, like, back then, people didn't travel as much, and they didn't have mm-hmm. ways to see things, so. Um, you're, you're right, like, this is a really good, like, travel movie in that in those sense. Yeah. Maybe I want to go back to Venice really bad. Kept on going, oh, Venice. I was like, I need to go back there soon. It was really cool last time I went. Nothing. I forgot what I was going to say. But I, I, this just this dead space makes me think about his Scottish impersonation. Which, right. <laughs> which is, I'm like, I was so confused by. And I'm like, is he doing... And then like, it took me a few minutes, but I'm like, is he doing this because Sean Connery's in it? Or like, is he making fun of him? Like, I couldn't tell. 
<laughs> I my guess was like I was like, how does Indiana Jones know how to do a Scottish Scottish accent? I'm like, well, if his dad's Scottish, that's probably the accent he maybe even knows best. So he could be like, okay, I can do a Scottish accent. Let's do that. I've hung out with that most of my life. Yeah, but the Nazi guy doesn't believe him. No, <laughs> because he thinks he's Mickey Mouse. In terms of a. Uh... You know, I think they kind of viewed this movie as the last one of this franchise for a long time, mm-hmm. especially the way it rides off into the sunset. Do you guys feel like, do you guys feel that having the Holy Grail and the search for the dad and all that, do you think that actually tops the Ark of the Covenant from the original movie in just terms of like, is that the only thing that could top it? Uh there's a, another Arthurian artifact I think is lesser. I think it's more known these days, but maybe lesser known to some people. But I don't know. The only thing that I would maybe try to stack up against the Ark of the Covenant is another Christian artifact. I feel like it might be more interesting to see more uh, more foreign artifacts or just stuff that everyone doesn't already know about. Like everyone knows what the Ark of the Covenant is for the most part. Everyone knows what the Holy Grail is. I didn't know much about like Shiva or uh, Kali, so I thought that was really interesting going into even if Kali's wildly misrepresented in that sure movie, but but it was still interesting and it was a different kind of a uh, culture and a different kind of item. But again, back to circling back to what I was originally going to say, the only thing I'd stack up against that and it's another G- Jesus artifact, but they have the Spear of Destiny as well, which is the thing that uh, pierced Christ, and supposedly the Nazis are also looking for that. That was a big one. A lot of people were a cult item everyone was after because like the Ark of the Covenant, whoever like holds that thing, like can't lose. I think it's more literal with the spear of destiny. Like you literally can't lose a battle as long as you're holding it. So I don't even know what that means exactly, but it sounds really cool. So that might be the item I'd put forward to try to top the Holy Grail. But I think combined with the father son dynamic and the, this like Arthurian quest for like something is, I, I think it tops the Holy, the, the Ark of the Covenant, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great framing device because it's an Arthurian legend to search for the Holy Grail, and like there's a whole like years and years, and they never find it, and I don't even remember how it ends. Like I think they find the Grail at some point, but anyways, it's like it's like the prototypical like it is an archetype in itself. Like finding the Holy Grail, like, people use that in like modern like language, like oh that's their mm-hmm. Holy Grail. Yeah, like it's just everybody knows what that is. So it's, yeah. it's a good, like, blockbuster thing to go to, but then also the real Holy Grail was with them the whole time. It was <laughs> the yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. So it works well for that. It's the journey that got you there instead. Yeah. yeah. But, the real tre- treasure was fatherhood. <laughs> yeah. It does feel more, like, video gaming. It's really interesting, like, as it gets closer to, like, the apex of video games and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has three trials he has to go through, and that's a very like video game kind of thing. Yeah, the whole tank fights a video is like a boss yeah. fight scene. If you ask me, I was like, I could imagine playing this and actually having to, like do all this stuff to fight this tank boss. Yeah, it's definitely interesting what they chose as far as just like franchise goals and like kind of uh-huh. the the MacGuffins, the things they they chase after. Um, and it's interesting because. You know, I've just looking looking at the behind the scenes stuff about this and all the things they propose. It's very interesting that like they get to Crystal Skull and they're like, "What can we do?" Like, oh, everyone knows El Dorado. Everyone can relate to that. And I just continue to wonder, like, you know, in number five, like, where do you go from there? Like, you've shown right. you've shown 
everything that is the most well-known. So, like, how do you find the story that's in it instead of just the item being interesting? Or at least mm-hmm. that's what I hope they do. Yeah, how do you not make it too esoteric um, at the same time of it being, like, it has to be, like, a prominent item. It's like, oh, you can do, like, the Golden Fleece, like Jason and Argonauts, but then it's also, like, who really knows what that even is, you know? It's you just... Like you just made my heart go a flutter for a second when you said that. I'm like, Indiana Jones and the quest for the Golden Fleece? Oh my god! He has to fight, uh... <laughs> the, he has to fight the dragon? The Hydra or whatever, yeah. Mm. Oh, I was gonna say, you were talking about, like, what's a more iconic yeah, item, and it just makes me think of the other scripts, uh, the other drafts of this movie. It's like, like we're talking about Lucas, is like, oh, I wanted to do a, a spooky mansion movie with Indiana <laughs> Jones. I'm like, okay, like... That sounds like Abbott Costello, like, level, like, where is this going? But then um, Chris Columbus, uh, you know, director of Sorcerer's Stone and... Mm-hmm. Home Alone. Home Alone? Yeah, he directed Home Alone. Yeah, I know you definitely wrote it. Uh, you know, he's written a lot of iconic stuff. And he's kind of like, you know, he's very in the vein of, like, Spielberg and Lucas, too. But he wrote another draft where, like, he goes to Africa to, like, find the Monkey King or something. Or, like, the, oh. the Fountain of Youth and the Monkey King's related to it. And I'm just like... yeah. Monkey King's, King's like, story. in China, but anyways, he, like, included, like, like, a cannibal tribe in it and stuff. I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. man, yeah, like, this adventure genre could really go off the rails really easily into, like, falling into to tropes that are stereotyping people and, like, are, like, legitimately racist, and that's where, like, Temple of Doom definitely, like, veers into. Um, so I have a lot of respect for this movie because it finds a way to make something very... Like, in, in a very entertaining adventure without it becoming, like, culturally regressive. You know what I mean? All, all I could think about is Indiana Jones and the quest for the Golden Fleece. It's all I can think about in my brain right now. <laughs> what is a fleece? Like, what does he do with it? Does he, like, wear it? Like It's like it's like a wraparound kind of thing. Like, like you know, the fleece it's like, is from not, a sheep, like a right? Sh- yeah, it's from a sheep. So it's like this gold sheep thing. I don't really know much of the context of it. I feel like if, I feel like I just need to watch Jason the Argonauts again. You watched that like a few weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah, Tyler? it's on it's on Criterion Channel right now. Mm. Uh, Ray Harryhausen classic. Everybody yeah, I watched that it. all the time when I was a kid. Like I was obsessed with that. Just I love the, the harpies and like the giant stone Trojan statue. Is yeah, so good. it's a it's a statue of Achilles, isn't it? Huh. The statue they fight, it's a statue of Achilles, right? Because they use his heel and, like, blood just, like, shoots out of it. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. I, they definitely stab his, like, heel or whatever. But it's funny. Yeah, I never watched that movie until, you know, the other week, like, a month mm-hmm. ago. And I just knew the skeletons from Spy Kids, too. Because <laughs> that was, like, it's, like, Hell the classic yeah. like, thing as a kid. Like, you don't know the references. So you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is crazy. Why does it all look all weird? like stop motion i'm like i don't know this is referencing anything that's kind of like what makes indiana jones really great is that it's it's referencing a lot of older filmmakers but it's never too on the nose like even now i'm just like yeah this is like adventure serial but it's not like a specific movie you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) the search for sequels the search for sequels remember when we were named that (laughs) indiana jones and the quest for justifying how to make more money out of this, this franchise Milking it for all it's worth. <laughs> uh, I will say just one last note, because uh, I feel like I'm pretty... <laughs> I've said all I have to say, really. But just one last note in terms of like, character development. Um, the villain in this, I think, is pretty pretty compelling, because he's an mm. American that's like helping the Nazis. And they're just like, whoa, that's like kind of crazy. Like It's not even like a British person or like European or anything. It's like straight up like 
1938, an American guy who's a collector. And yeah, Donovan's a good bad guy. Yeah, and like ultimately, they ask his like motivation. He's like, "Oh, the Nazis, like they're not, they won't be here forever." But like, he's really used to using them as a justification to get the Holy Grail so he can live forever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but it's so okay, stupid that's... to think that they wouldn't take it from him and then give the Holy Grail to Hitler. <laughs> yeah, I did write down like, doesn't Hitler want the whole? Like, why wouldn't he want to live forever? Like, that's really weird. But mm-hmm. um, he's using helping the Nazis as a justification for his own goals, which are in, in, in itself selfish. So it's like, yeah, that's like villain, villain shit anyways. But like, that's also like, it's kind of like a really good way to do an American villain in like an international movie in my mind, because I feel like it's hard for Americans to see, like, like it's hard to uh, like identify like a stereotype, stereotypical like American villain in a movie. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's always like, oh, yeah. like, like, especially in, like, James Wan stuff, it's like, oh, he's the Greek villain. Like, it's just, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's very specific tropes that they put on to people, especially in, like, the older ones. But it's, like, it's definitely, like, like, I may be overstepping here, but it's just, like, it's, like, an American villain in that, like, he's justifying doing something really bad for his own goal of, like, maybe, re- it's not really reaching an American dream, but he's just, just justifying doing really bad things for the sake of getting something he wants. He's justifying it in his mind, like by helping literal Nazis, and I just find that really compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's his own form of just like his ex, this like his ex, not necessarily capitalism, but just like that American way of do whatever you want, do what you got to do, get your prize, and live like the live and the basically like the most perverse, terrified version of the American dream of just get what you want, crush everybody along the way if you have to. Yeah, I guess you bringing this up is that. I honestly think he's probably the worst part of this movie. The villain <laughs> really? of this. Yeah, it's just so forgettable. If it wasn't for him having been uh, the general in Empire Strikes Back, I just <laughs> never... Like, I would have never been like, oh, he's the bad guy or he will be the bad guy. Like, I can't... Like, this whole time, I haven't thought about him until you brought it up right now. I think that part is very forgettable in this. Oh, that's a shame. I, I I did enjoy him. Like when when I first when I first we when I first when we first meet him in the movie, I was kind of drawn to him almost immediately. I was like, I was like, he's definitely interesting. Just like uh, again, I like the idea of just having these antithesis versions of Indiana Jones, who's like who's like, oh, your you uh, your contribu- contributions to the museum are really well noted, and then he, he kind of looks around and says, oh, and you have some really 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 nice pieces just like hanging up around your house, which is. Yeah. Always interesting because I don't think Indy keeps anything. No, I don't think because it belongs in a museum. Because it's very interesting that you pointed out, though, Tyler. He's, he is a good foil to Indiana being an American in this society that appreciates things that maybe Americans are not capable of it. Um, and I, I always did kind of wonder why they chose to have Indiana teach in an English setting, work for an English museum. So, mm-hmm. hmm. um, and I'm probably like, you know, overselling it, that idea, but I am always fascinated by seeing American villains in movies because so often, like, especially since Hollywood, you know, we're the biggest, um, exporter of basically culture in the world, sure, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. mass culture. And that's what I like about watching like certain Godzilla movies, um, certain ones, they tweaked when they released in the US because like some Americans were like straight up villains or like, mm. or they just like, 
Yeah, like especially like I know this is really specific, but like Godzilla versus uh, King Ghidorah, like the '90s version. Like mm-hmm. Godzilla was originally like a creature like risen to fight off the Americans in in oh, during, during World War Two. Shit, <laughs> and I'm saying they changed that in the American release. I'm just like, wow, that's just really fascinating to me because there's like censorship is still a thing in in like a quote-unquote like free country or whatever because like they don't want americans to ever feel bad about themselves you know it's just like right i mean obviously you know i'm not i'm not i'm not questioning the the philosophy of world war ii that's not what i'm saying it's just more so about like sure just step, stepping outside of yourself as like mm-hmm. your national identity and like really just evaluating <laughs> yeah the only like, kind of like american villain i can really like think of like that's like i guess world renowned like shot out is like maybe like the the hardcore angry like texan who's like well 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 we meet <laughs> yeah. again yeah. or like the, something stupid the oil like that. tycoon well yeah like the i think in i think in american films and our stories that um, are more modern it's a lot of oil tycoons and wall street types and lawyers mm-hmm. like those are the villains those are the people the government people that are behind it but it is a good it is a good choice because you know, the year before this, the biggest movie on the planet was Die Hard with a villain of Hans Gruber. So, yeah, yeah. you know, they right. definitely, they could have easily, easily veered head head into an evil German and just left it at that. So it is nice in that regard. But in, in the bright side, he this, this Donovan does have a good cast of villains around him that kind of keep him... I guess not like he's not he's never really the center of attention until like the end of the movie if you ask me because like Elsa's right. there to counterbalance him that extremely evil Nazi general is there to <laughs> counterbalance him as well so we basically have this like trifecta of evil that's there <laughs> yeah he really like comes towards the front at near the end as a weird yeah. sentence but <laughs> no I understand I understand what you're saying and it, it is because of the nature of them trying to be two steps ahead on the search so that they don't get caught up on. That's why you don't really like see them so much. They're always two steps behind our heroes. Mm-hmm. I do. I do love, I really love when they do catch up into the, into the room with the night and all of the cups and they yeah. jump on the nicest looking cup as quickly <laughs> as they can and die love, like, so, quickly, look- so quickly. So yeah. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like like Elsa knew like he's like she's like looking at yeah. Indy you know and he's like oh of course like the cup of like the cup of kings and like like no dude like Jesus didn't drink out of that and then, of course <laughs> I was gonna bring this up anyways so I'm glad you segued into this but yeah. of course Harrison Ford knows what the cup of a carpenter looks like because he's a carpenter mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just thought that was really funny but yeah that 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 scene was like my favorite thing like. As a kid, like yeah, like doc, like his dad, you know, shooting the birds into the plane. I love so much. And then the knight, like the ancient ghost knight man, with like <laughs> the cup. Like I thought that was so cool as a kid. Like that was just like my one of my favorite things. And that knight makes a very big pained swing at Harrison Ford with that sword. <laughs> he yeah. does. He gives it his all like one last time, and then he's like, "Now nah, you got this. <laughs> like you take yeah, it. Yeah, you did it." <laughs> Basically, the Holy Grail, like, you keep aging, but you just, like, still get old. <laughs> yeah, like, you get weaker, and it doesn't sound like a good trade-off to me. Like, I'd rather just die. It seems like he's begging for death at the end of it. He's like, okay, now slay me. Please do it. Please yeah. do it. Now, and then he just gets, like, does he die in the end? Because, like, he just, like, is sealed in the cave. Yeah. What a pain. Because he just, like, does that wave, like, 
Bye. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He comes out of his hut to be like, see you later. But he's so confused. Like, like when the two other guys run, he's just like, what is? Okay. Oh, do... you destroyed my home. Bye. Yeah. On the other side of that, I do really like because that's the only time that uh, Sean Connery sees the night. So it's like mm. a justification for all the things he was looking for. It's like, oh, it is real. Like it's mm. a little bit of magic, like a little bit of belief. Yeah, that's, he gets that's to great. see the knight at the door with that tremendous wave towards yeah. him, like the oh, like go with God, like you have succeeded. Mm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Now I have a question for you guys because sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this in the Crystal Skull territory for just a moment. They very pointedly point out that they have lost Henry Jones Senior in the Crystal Skull, mm-hmm. but. He also drank from the Holy Grail at the end of Last Crusade. So I think you have to keep on coming back to the well. Yeah. Like it it did its magic to heal him and to cure his wounds, but it did not give him eternal life. Is that what No, we're... they brought baking soda and vinegar. That's what healed his wound. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it was just classic like hydrogen peroxide. Like yeah. it just bubbled and but if you look, the one scar in that scene does, like, melt away. It's pretty cool effects work, mm-hmm. whoever said Oh, yeah, it's like um, Donovan or whatever. Like, it, they built, like, a mechanical wig that would, like, grow up the hair. And then mm-hmm. uh, they put inflatable cheeks on him because they wanted it to make it not look like they're, like, cutting and applying new makeup. So it's like they mm-hmm. would put, like, inflatable cheeks that I think, like, deflated to make his skin, like, more more sunken in when he, after he oh, drinks cool. from the Holy Grail. It's like, oh, yeah. Because I was really looking at that scene when, when it was happening. I'm like, okay, how did they do this? Because I haven't seen this in a long time. And I just want to see if it was makeup ap- application. But, and then he turns into, like, yeah, like, a, a robot bone man. And then it, like, disappears. <laughs> but it is really fun. Like, they, it's, it's not... They yeah. wanted to top themselves from the melting faces melting face, of, yeah. <laughs> of Raiders so mm-hmm. badly. Like, they were just like, okay, here's all the budget. Take it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, but, yeah, it's, it's good. I, I Like I said, I, I think the Holy Grail functions as, like, a Lazarus Pit type item for Batman mythos reasons. And you just have to keep on, at least maybe a water source, but you need the cup, I think, to kind of just keep on refueling your current age or just slow the aging process or just not die okay i can understand that indy does drink from it as well i believe mm-hmm. and, and maybe it could warrant like his uh his extended time as as an adventure maybe it makes it more virile like vital but well uh, from some of the crazy shit he does in crystal skull i will give it that that it uh lets him <laughs> do whatever he wants now yeah it gives him maybe some magic in him and maybe sean connery is just like it did its healing magic on him and then maybe it gave him a few more extra years maybe he was already gonna die and then it just kind of like i don't know he could have just lost the will to live like padme amidala <laughs> <laughs> or he's got old he just got old um he lived on a naturally long life <laughs> i think well you guys have any i think this is like a last comment you guys have anything last things to say before we play a little game before we go away i think i'm good yeah just fine i will say <laughs> just... i would love to have some modern action movies in which the main hero can shoot through three <laughs> enemies with a handgun and have it shoot through all of them like i love that cartoony stuff in indiana jones and i just wish movies were more cartoony still does that not happen in john wick uh yeah it probably does but you know john wick is yeah like i just watched uh 
train to Busan. It kind of happens in that. And yeah. I watched... Uh, oh, it ha- kind of happens in the Raid movies. Have you seen mm. those? Yes. I've seen the first one, yeah. Yeah, some some of the more, like, Asian, like, gunfu kind of stuff has a <laughs> yeah. lot of that going on, but not in a... Equilibrium. Yeah, not in a fun way, like, indie. I just really would love to see someone be, like, a successor to Spielberg in that way, in these, like, it's more, like, almost like Joe Dante than it is Spielberg, where it's, like, just very cartoony. Like, Abrams is very inspired and, like, influenced by Spielberg, but in a different way. Well, I believe the uh, guy that wrote Inner Space was the guy that wrote the final script for yeah. Last Crusade. So mm-hmm. there's your Dante-ism. Joe <laughs> <laughs> Dante connection. Too bad Dennis Quaid wasn't in this movie, too. <laughs> Indy 5, dude. Indy 5. <laughs> and Randy Quaid. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I just want to say, like, I definitely feel like it came off this movie, like, throughout this whole podcast, like, challenge I, I probably don't sound too satisfied with this movie but i really am i just this was always my favorite so i feel like i'm challenging it on this evaluation I'm like does it still really like hold up there and how has it changed so just for the record i do really like this movie but <laughs> it's also just the hardest to talk about i think of the three because it's it's like a straight sequel to the first one the second one's a prequel it's very different but then the third one is like an extension of the first i don't know it's just very complicated but still just as entertaining so I hope that didn't just make it more convoluted. <laughs> this one's your favorite, right, Cutter? The Last Crusade. Yeah. 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 It's it's my favorite too by by probably a, a long shot compared to the other two. I I, I love Dang. this one a lot. But I'm interested to see how a Crystal Skull challenges that. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. This time around, I'm really vibing on Temple of Doom, but it's probably just because I've seen it like 30 times less than the other two. <laughs> And it's yeah. just, like, something more new and more off the walls. It's, like, more digestible in a way. Hmm. But, I don't know. You want to play your game, Connery? I'd love to play a game. Um, This was originally going to be dad time, but I feel like we... <laughs> you want to play a game? This was originally going to be dad time, but I feel like we had our dad time session already. So, how about we do this? Um, We're going to call this My Two Fictional Dads. And I would like you guys to say, of all the fictional dads in the movie, television, <laughs> book, universe, who would you like to be your two dads and raise you in a two-bedroom apartment in Queens? Holy shit. <laughs> <Cutter's> typing. <laughs> <laughs> Best fictional dads, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm gonna go with, uh, just because I gotta figure out how to make this work, I'm gonna go with Marlin from Finding Nemo, and... <laughs> so he's, he's a fish? Yeah, <laughs> he's a fish, and, 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 uh, Mufasa from The Lion King, because... Ooh, you stole one of mine. These two animals living with me in my New York penthouse, and... <laughs> And, w- and one being vicious and one being stuck in, like, a fish tank is everything I've ever wanted. <laughs> Cutter, have you done your laundry? <laughs> one can maul me while the other I can just walk away from. <laughs> what are you going to do to me, Dad? You're a fish. Uh, um, I'll, I'll think of... I'll, I'm going to try to think of one on the spot. You, I, I originally was going to choose Mufasa, but now I'm going to think of another one. Um... I'm going to say, 
Uh, I'm going to put in what's his name? Urgh, dang it! No, Connery, come on. Who is Batman in 1989? You guys, please help me. Michael because Keaton. Because Michael Keaton. Yes, oh, Michael Keaton from Mr. Mom and, <laughs> <laughs> and Michael, Me- Michael Keaton from Duplicity. <laughs> Wait, no, that's Michael not what it's Duplicity. I have two Michael Keatons, and that's the end. <laughs> Um, so I'll, I'll take Michael Michael Keaton from Mr. Mom, and I'll also take Fraser Crane, who is a dad. Oh, I thought I thought you were gonna throw a uh, Danny Tanner out. I felt it coming, but oh no, I would rather be raged by Fraser than that lunatic. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. I was on the same wavelength, Connor, because I I'm going with Martin Crane. Ooh, good one. Because <laughs> he can just sit in his chair. Yeah, in that two, in that two bedroom apartment. <laughs> but I'm gonna have to go with Martin Crane and probably Doctor Henry Jones. Oh. Yes, because I think they would actually have like legitimate chemistry with each now, other. Now I have a question. <laughs> They'd have so much fun hanging I have out a together. Question. Which father of the two, Doctor Henry Jones, are you selecting? <laughs> Not Junior. <laughs> Not ju- what? Shia had a dad too. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honey boy, man. Honey boy. <laughs> <laughs> Honey boy, man. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Cutter, for that impromptu right. performance. Cutter, before we wrap this up, I have one. Well, we are wrapping it up. Don't worry, everyone. We're leaving. We're leaving your ears very soon. You have to play a game, Cutter, to get to Crystal Skull. Okay. <laughs> Bring it. It's called Choose Wisely. Dude, am I presented with 20 cups since I have a room <laughs> yeah. with a 700 year old I have 20 night. cups right here. <laughs> I was trying to come up with something like that, but I'm like, I don't have any cups that are really like, like I have different coffee cups. I guess I could have done that. Oh, that would have been funny. You have your Emperor Palpatine mug. Yeah, but we'll just do some uh, behind, the, we'll, we'll do some, uh, what is it called? Trivia? <laughs> Yeah, that. <laughs> we'll do some trivia. All right, give me all this Indiana Jones trivia. Give me the trivia. Okay. Number one. What is the age difference between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery? The actors or a, the characters? The actors. Is it A, 8 years, B, 12 years, C, 20 years, or D, 27 years? Tw- 27 years. Is that your answer? Yes. You have chosen poorly. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> You're a skeleton. <laughs> They're actually only 12 years apart. What? <laughs> yeah. So, Sean Connery was busy very early. Holy shit. Yeah. Man, they definitely age him up for the makeup. Okay, give me the next one. <laughs> uh, how many tanks were used during the filming of this movie? A, 1, <laughs> B, 2, C, 4, or D, 8? C4, because that sounds good. <laughs> no, I feel like these are too hard. I No, I know the answers to all of these so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, they built a whole tank for this movie, and then they had another one like rigged up to a truck that they could move around. Two? You so two poorly. is the answer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Skeleton again. <laughs> here's, your last, here's your last chance, Cutter. I'm never going <laughs> to get to be on this podcast you, again. You have chosen poorly. Yeah. <laughs> What is the last project in which Sean Connery performed? Is it A, Kingdom, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? B, League of Extraordinary... I can't speak. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. C, 
Sir Billy, or what? D from Russia with Love video game? Ooh. Whoa. Okay. So you're talking about <laughs> D would be like him voice acting. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. any kind of performance. So Versus Crystal, Crystal Skull, he shows up as a picture because he's dead. That doesn't count. So that but, came out in 2008. Extraordinary Gentleman came out in 2003. Sir Billy came out in 2012. And From Russia With Love came out in 2005. I've never heard of Sir Billy. I guess Extraordinary Gentleman, but like, what? I'm so confused. What is Sir Billy? I'm Googling this. <laughs> I'll just let you look it up and then let you answer. No, tell me. Just tell No, me. you have to type it in. <laughs> what the hell is this movie? <laughs> okay, I'm curious. Is this really his last thing? Mm-hmm. God speed. Sir so Billy is this like Scottish animated movie that's like CG and it's like really poorly animated and it's the last thing oh my. he's ever done. Uh and they tr- <sighs> and they tricked him into being in it or what? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he didn't have to do much, probably. You know, I always was upset that he didn't take the role of Gandalf for Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, but he also didn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares, man? Understand it. Thirty million a movie. Should he was confused. Come on, Ian McKellen's so great, though. I yes. know, but we could have got Sean Connery, Gandalf. All right, Cody, you got everything wrong, but it was worth it just to bring up Sir Billy into the zeitgeist. I'm going to link the trailer <laughs> wow. in the show notes. Okay. Everybody should watch Sir Billy. I'm not going to watch so, it unless there's a franchise of it, then I'll watch Sean it. Connery's finest performance. So congratulations, Cutter. By answering all those questions wrong, you've earned the right to be in the Crystal Skull episode. Yay! Guys, I'm <laughs> more excited about Crystal Skull than this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I am too now. You've you've laid you've laid you paved a lot of hype for me, so I'm definitely interested to see what your what all the hubbub is about. I feel yeah. like I feel like all these Indiana Jones movies, the original three, are very loved overall by everyone and mm-hmm. not not that a divisive conversation is needed to be entertaining, but right. it is uh something interesting to check out. Mm-hmm. Also available on Netflix currently as of Yep. April 2020. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Tal, you didn't date us this episode. So. It's April 11th, everybody. We're still in Happy quarantine Easter. until May 15th at least. So Oof. we'll see if this comes out by then. It probably will. Yeah. But uh, I don't remember what I was going to say, but we're going to leave now. Thank Plugs. you, Cutter, for joining us. Thanks uh, for having me, guys. We'll see you on the next one on Crystal Skull. Yeah. We'll be drinking out of crystal skulls with Dan Aykroyd. Ooh. You don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, play us out, Cutter. Oh Lord, I'll have it ready. <laughs> oh, okay, real heavy. And we're all gonna do our plugs now. While you play it, go. Connie, what do you have to plug? Well, if you enjoy the sound of my voice and you also enjoy role-playing games, you should check out Starship Impala. Cutter guest starred along with Tyler on my character's origin story. It's very fun. It's not out yet, but still. So look up Starship Impala. I host it with four other people that are amazing good friends. And uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Connery Hansen, spelled with a K on Twitter. Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter at Tiny Vice, on Instagram at Twain, T-W-A-Y-N-E-D. 
Cutter, do you have anything to plug? Well, you have to do it while you're playing, though. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Leatherbox and all those places. Cutter White, I'm the only one. You'll find me <laughs> on Twitter, Cutter White. Instagram, Cutter White. Leatherbox, Cutter White. Cutter White at a popular email service.com. What is for, your name again? For all work related to assistant directing and finding me a job at this time. Yes, get Cutter work. Uh, planning stuff or something there is no there is no there is no work to be had it's okay <laughs> but i will <laughs> continue to learn the guitar strings of the maestro john williams <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks to nick Faverka for our music and grayson hansen for our artwork and we'll see you all next time bye-bye everybody